everyone, this is Zain Sharma, the Director of Pioneer Missions and School of Missions with Kingdom Vision Global, and I hope you enjoy this podcast. To receive more updates from us, please do visit our website, kvglobal.org, or find us on our Instagram page, Global School of Missions. Today with us, we have Pastor Danston John, and he'll be sharing with us on biblical leadership. God created everything, and then he tells Adam to look after it, to take care of it, to till the ground and uh, you know, to look after it, just to see that everything that's, uh, that God has blessed, you know, uh, grow and thrive and, and uh, flourish the whole planet. So it was the Adam responsibility to look after. You see, most of the times we think about Adam as somebody who probably was enjoying the Garden of Eden, probably picking up some uh, fruit from different uh, trees and enjoying the fruit of it. But we don't see often Adam and Eve actually picturing them you know, taking care of God's creation, going after uh, what God has made and to make sure that everything is in order. There's a whole lot of work that God, uh, you know, God, in fact, put across, put across to Adam. It was not a, Adam was not just sitting there and he was just, just relaxing and enjoying the beautiful blue skies and blue waters. And, you know, probably, yeah, he was doing them. He was enjoying everything uh, as, as, as well. But at the same time, <clears throat> he also was finding the joy in uh, taking care of everything that God had blessed. And that's where we see, understand um, the first clear cut definition of stewardship comes in because there is a promise in, uh, that God gives to, uh, uh, to Adam in the process of all of that. And then he tells them how that he is, is supposed to uh, look after and, and, it's, and be fruitful and to multiply. And, and that's how the stewardship is going to be carried on. Okay, for generations and generations to come. And this is for, for, for us to understand that God owns everything. There's nothing as man we, we own. God owns every single thing on this planet. Okay. And that we are simply the managers and administrators acting on his behalf. And you see, some of us, we grew on our own house. Some of us grew, uh, uh, you know, um, in our in a rented house or apartment, or uh, or maybe somewhere at some point in. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mridula, Can you just unmute your phone? Uh, sorry, mute your phone because uh, I think uh, there's some noise coming. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Thank you. Um, so yeah, so some of us, you know, we grew in a rented homes, and some of us grew in our own homes, and. And some or some point in life, you know, if you move to a new city or new places, you rent an apartment and things like that. And if you would have noticed that whenever you move to a different place and you lived in a place or you were uh, you were in a place where the property was not yours, especially, you treated it differently than it was yours. You you kind of was like in charge of it, kind of like you took care of it. Although you knew it was going to be temporal, you knew that it was you know, just going to be there for a while and then move on to, to a better place or maybe to own your own place. You know, you took care of that place very well because you treated that whole thing differently than the space that was yours. And, and when God gives us something, you need to understand that everything that God has given us is given us to manage until he comes back. 
everything he's given us to manage it comes back. I was uh, just listening to uh, one of the podcasts uh, some time ago, and I heard this, uh, somebody say that pastors are basically stewards of God's kids. You know, they're going to look after God's kids on the earth until he comes back, you know. So it was a beautiful definition of what a pastoral ministry uh, uh, looks like. You know, it's to take care of God's children, take care of God's people, you know, uh, God's precious kids and look after them and and make them to not just to look after them, but to feed them and cause them to grow in Christ, cause their faith to bloom in Christ until he comes back. And so we all have been entrusted with something. As Christians, we need to understand that we all have been entrusted with something. Okay, nobody can say, I don't have this gift. I don't have that. Everybody has something to give back. But how about we live a life that uh, in response to, uh, you know, the idea of stewardship? What happens if we live a life in response to the idea of uh, stewardship? How we then will start living, right? Like, for instance, um, when God asked Cain, where is your brother? What was the response? He said, am I my brother's keeper? Like Cain was the eldest, right? And he was supposed to look after Abel. And God, in God's idea was to people should look after their own, right? To look after their own people. And that was how everything was predicated in their system. But you see how Cain literally disowns that picture. It says, am I my brother's keeper? And then he goes on living a selfish life. He goes on living a life that he thinks that, you know, he's better off himself. And we're living in that society. We're living in a type of a society today where we're not watching each other's back. We're not watching, taking care of each other as well. But it's only when we think that, you know, somebody is potentially good enough to be taken care of. That's when we kind of at least look after that person. But otherwise we don't. But God asked Cain, it's like, where is your brother? Where is your brother? And Cain had no no answers for that, except he rebelliously replied and said, I don't know why you're asking me this. Similarly, God is asking you today, hey, where is your neighbor? Hey, where is your your aunt? Hey, where is your, your brother in Christ? Hey, where is your sister in Christ? What was your reply? You know, we can choose to live this selfish life. It's all about me. It's all about my dream. It's all about my work. It's all about my money. Or if you want to live a kingdom lifestyle, it's it's about looking after people. It's about seeing how others are doing. It's about seeing how others are progressing in their life. To see if somebody is suffering in our community and trying to see if how what help can you uh, uh, you uh, what help can you give and you provide because there's something end of the day we're called to give back. So we must have heard this word called give back, right? Most of the philanthropists will hear, use this word called, it's my turn to give back to society. And hence, you know, I'm prosperous, I'm rich, I'm famous. I've got all the, uh, the, the millions of dollars lying in my account, but I want to go, go and give back to the community. They use the word called give back. But do you know that the, all what God's given us is going to return back to God one day? Do you know that? Because it's scriptural. And I'm going to take you to that scripture in a while. In book of Psalms, chapter 24, there we see, the Bible says, the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord and everything in it. Think about, start, let's start thinking about this. Okay, the chair that I'm sitting right now, right? Um, 
and you know the air that I'm breathing, right, and all the technology that there is right now around me, right, and the bed that we go to sleep on, and uh, the plate that we use to put our food on. Think about in all different angles. There's nothing that we created. Everything came from something. You know, God did not create chairs or something, but he created furniture. He gave us tree. Out of trees came everything else. But everything that God created came from that. So there's nothing that we own. We only uh, created something from something. So the Bible says the law, everything that is in this world is from the Lord. And now everything will shall return back to him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 11, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 11, here Peter talks about power. He talks about power. Um, let's go to there. Maybe we'll, we'll have some insight there. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 11. It says, To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. To him be the power, in other translation, it says, meaning all the power and all the glory, it belongs to God. It belongs to God. And if you, if you under, also when Paul in some places, he talks about how God's given some people the power to rule and exercise authority, that power has come from God. That ability has come from God itself. It did not originate from a human being. It came from God himself. So everything that God's given to us at this point, it will return back to him. It has to return back to him. All what he is, all what we are enjoying right now, if we are holding on to it, which means that we think that we brought this up. We are the one who created this. We are the one who made this happen. And hence, we will be holding on to it so dearly. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus did not have any fear of finances or any fear of money at all. Why? Because he felt everything is God's. Everything, all the blessing that there is, is from the Lord. Because there's nothing that, you know, we have achieved for ourselves. Including the ability that God has given us to produce wealth. Where did the ability come from? It came from God. You know, a lot of people have this mentality that, uh, oh, I, I, you know, I lost money in this, I lost money in that. In first place, who gave you the money? Who gave you those finances? It was God himself who gave it to you. It was not, and you might say, oh, it came because I worked very hard. I, I sweat. Yes, it did. And God honors your work. But, but who gave you the ability to, uh, uh, to produce that, that income? It is God himself. So when if you might have lost that money or lost that something, but you did not lose the ability to bring back the money again. So the ability itself is coming from God again. So God's given everything to us. Nothing belongs. So we need to learn to live in response to this one reality that everything that we have at this point in our life is that it's one day going to go back to God. We have to give an account. Peter says we have to give an account to the Lord. He speaks about in, in his one of the epistles. Let me pull up that verse for you. I'm sorry, it's, it is in, uh, Paul also mentions that in the book of Romans chapter four, 14, uh, verse 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Each of us will give an account ourselves to God. 
So everything that you uh, are supposed to give, uh, supposed to you, you, you own and you're supposed to give, everything has an account. There's a heavenly accountant sitting up there. Believe me, there's a, we all will have an accountant in heaven who's going to be accounting everything that we're supposed to give to God. That's like what Jesus said, you know, um, what you owe to Caesar, give it to Caesar. What you owe to God, give it to God. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 5, it says, but they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Again, we see here that they have to give an account to him. Everything that the Lord has blessed us with, we have to give an account of that. Not a single thing goes out of sight. There's a, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there is an angel that is specifically assigned for this one task to see how we're spending God's resources on the earth. I won't be surprised. Maybe when I get to heaven, I'll probably see some an angel sitting there and wondering, well, I have all your account of everything that you've been doing on the earth and how, you, uh, how you're treating God's resources. Now, let's look at what are God's resources. Because maybe that's how we can think about how we can live this life in response to that reality. God's resources, number one, are people. Number one, our people. God's entrusted us with people. He's entrusted us with, with uh, 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 brothers and sisters into our care. Everybody's, you know, what do you say? All those people that, you know, you never thought that in your lifetime that you would come across or in your lifetime you would never meet. They're the ones that God has brought them into your life. They are, they are there for a specific purpose and for a reason. And so God wants to know how you manage that part of it before he sends more people to add into your life. And sometimes you say, oh, I don't want more people in my life. I'm, I'm happy with where I am. You see, the part is that is that we're thinking in our mind that I'm happy. Listen, it's, again, it's the, the whole issue is you. I don't, I don't want to make more friends with more people. I don't, want to, I don't want to engage with different lives. I'm happy where I am. You see, this is a very selfish lifestyle. This is not for Christians. A lot of people choose to live today secluded somewhere else, have nothing to do with community, have nothing to do with serving others in Christ. And that's one of the reasons is because they're thinking too much about their own life. They're thinking too much about their own personal security. And I want to, I feel sorry for such Christians because you cannot enjoy God's blessings. If God calls you to serve a community, and if you're sitting there thinking that uh, less people, less tension, if that's what your mentality is, then let me tell you something. You're missing God's blessings upon your life. So go out there and serve people. Go out there, make friends. Go out there and, and see how you can become a blessing into others' lives. So many people are in need. So many people are, are in need of encouragement. Like today, I was sitting out there. I'm seeing so many people outside. They're enjoying the summer heat and all of that. But you know, most of the people stop today to hear one word, and that is called hope. That's called hope. They want to hear this word called hope. They're desperate for hope. They're desperate for some form of encouragement. So God has given us resources like his people. His people are resources, places where we are living in right now, our community, our neighborhood, uh, our workforce, wherever we are, they are our people. So that's the first thing. Second thing is finances. How are you dealing with finances? You know, if you're somebody, if you feel like, you know, um, you have a problem with, 
with uh, with dealing with finances. It could be any issues like, for instance, you might be thinking that, you know, uh, I have a problem giving. I have a problem just releasing finances, uh, you know, uh, because I feel like I won't have to, uh, I won't have enough end of the day. Uh, probably you're living in a selfish lifestyle again because God is the one who feeds you. He says, when you look at the sparrows, I feed them. I take care of them. So you see this whole lifestyle here, God wants to change is because he wants us to know that he that there's nothing that you own. So the owning mentality as Christians uh, is something that acts as a barrier here. It acts as a barrier, not as a blessing. It acts as a barrier. A owning mentality acts as a barrier. How many lands do you own? How many do you own? We use this terminologies because we're living on the earth. So we, we use this all, and there's nothing wrong in it. There's nothing bad about it. But in, this, in the perspective, in the heavenly perspective, we need to live our life based on that. Okay, what if we own? We own two cars, so what do we do with that? Maybe if we have more number of people, we can bring them to church on a Sunday morning. Somebody who doesn't have a car can bring them to, summer, uh, to a church on Sunday morning. I mean, there are some people who've got like five, four, five cars and they're saying they don't want to bring anyone to the church. They want to go anywhere else. And I said like, no, I don't want people to get into my church, uh, get into my car because, you know, I, I, I won't feel safe about it. God's resources, God's given you resources to expand his kingdom. Think of the ways where you can expand his kingdom and stop worrying about your life. Stop worrying about what you have. Stop worrying about what's going to happen to you. Start trusting that God has given these resources for that, not just to, for your self-protection and for your, for your own blessing, but for the blessing of others, for the blessing of people that will come to him. You know, I remember the number of times I had stopped my own car to pick up somebody, a random person on the road and offered them a drop. At one time it was 1 a.m. in the morning I did that to somebody who, uh, I saw this guy who was, uh, you know, who was smoking and uh, kind of depressed. And uh, so I kind of felt that he needs something. So I kind of stopped my car, asked him, are you okay? And he said, uh, you know, I, I lost my car keys and I can't find them and my, uh, I, my phone's not working. And my wife is out there. She might be worrying right now and there's nobody on the road. And I was probably the only guy there to offer him some help and drop him home that night. And so uh, I thought for, for myself that day, I was like, you know what? Why not trust God? Why not trust God? And, um, and he got into my car, sat in the back seat and I, uh, you know, and he just, he said, I, do you, do you want something? Can I offer you some money? I said, no, that's okay. I'm going in the same direction. Maybe I can I can take a turn and I can drop you on the way. And uh, at once the Lord began to talk to me about him in, in the spirit realm. And God spoke to me that I asked him, hey, do you have these problems in your life? And he began to ask me, how do you know all of these things? I was like, no, you know, I just, uh, I'm a Christian and I follow Jesus. And I was like, oh, uh, before you say anything, he said this, he said, I'm a Satanist. So I was like, wow, now, it's a pretty interesting chapter right now. We're going to have, sorry, pretty interesting conversation that we're going to have after this. So then I asked him, why are you a Satanist? He said, uh, you know, Satan owns the world and Satan is this, Satan is that and all that. And anyway, so cut the story short. I, we were engaging in a conversation as to why I became a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and why I followed Jesus and so and so. And then, and I spoke to him how important it is uh, for us to know the truth. He said, what is the truth? I said, the truth is Jesus. He died on the cross for us. And he said, I asked him, what does Satanism offers or what do they demand? It says, he said, the Satanism is all about you doing something for Satan. It's about you doing so-and-so things, you know. And then I asked him, okay, so what, do, what does Satan doesn't return to you? And uh, he didn't know what to answer that. 
Uh, and then uh, I said, you know, Jesus does not ask you to do anything. He himself offered as the blood sacrifice, his own blood sacrifice. He himself saved you by his own blood. And he became so silent for a few minutes. And then um, we, you know, then he, and then he said, well, well, brother, I think I needed to hear this today. You see, my job was done right there, sharing the gospel to him. And there are some other cases that I can tell you uh, because we don't have time for it. But uh, this was not on my notes, but then it just came through me randomly today. But what I'm trying to say here is managing God's resources is very, very important. We have big homes in our in our places and, you know, we have big houses and all of this stuff like that. You know, think about ways in which you can support somebody. Think about ways in which support somebody and be led by the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying right today itself, go pick up some strangers or bring some strangers to your house. I'm not saying any of that. I'm only saying be led by the Holy Spirit. Be led by the Holy Spirit in a way how you can impact the lives of others and stop living the selfish life. You see, the way the world works today is all about the system of owning mentality. This is my net worth. And if you look at the on a Google, everybody wants to know each other's net worth. You know, this celebrity's net worth, this leader's net worth. And what's going to happen after this die? That net, that net worth is probably going to pass on to somebody who doesn't even know the value of the sacrifice to the person made to gain that net worth in first place. And that person is going to spend all the money in eating ice creams on that. That's, that's because the person did not understand the value at all. So stop looking at the way the world works. That's not for us as Christians. As Christians, that's not for us. We don't pride ourselves into net worth. We pride ourselves into God's work. Into God's work. We, that's what we pride in. The souls we have won for Jesus and they're brought into the body to Christ. That's what we are all about. So that's biblical leadership right here. You know, going forward from there is being faithful to the little. Being faithful to the little. In the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 11. We see that in in, in, in book of chapter 19, verse 11. Let's go to that, to that chapter. And it's a parable of, I believe it's a parable of talents. Now, as they heard these things, he spoke another parable because he was near Jerusalem because they thought the kingdom of God would appear immediately. Therefore, he said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to, to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. For he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten minas, and said to them, do business till I come. But his citizens hated him, sent a delegation after him, saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so it was that when he returned, having received the kingdom, he then commanded these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know how much, underline that word, please, how much every man had gained by trading. Then came first saying, Master, your mina has earned 10 minas. The first one said, then he said to him, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. 
And the second one came and said, Master, your mina has earned five, uh, it said five minas. Likewise, the same, you also over five cities. Then another came and said, Master, here is your mina, which I've kept away in a handkerchief. For I feared you because you are an austere man. You collect what you did not deposit, reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, out of your own mouth, I will judge you. You wicked servant, you knew that I was an austere man collecting that I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank that my coming, I might have collected it with interest? And verse 24, it says, and he said to those who stood by, take mina from him and give it to him who has 10 minas. You see, today what's really happening in the spiritual realm are the people, there are two groups of people, one group that are, are faithfully serving what God has given them. And then there is another group of people who are just wasting what God has given them. And guess what? When a time comes, God's going to remove that gift which you stopped using or never used. And when God said to do it, you never did it, he's going to take that away and give it to somebody who is more obedient, who is more obedient and fearful about that gift. Well, that is so true. And I can tell you in my personal uh, journey with the Lord, uh, I've seen so many people just losing their uh, their uh, whatever God's called them for, the assignment along the way. And the next moment I see them just absolutely uh, walking in a, a total loss, like they did not do anything with what God gave them. And the next thing I see is somebody else doing the same work which God called them to do, was they did not do it. And you see, God in the end expects fruit from us. He expects something from us because he's coming here and asking tell me how much did you uh, how much did you earn tell me what did you do with what i gave you because he's interested in that if you're thinking that no god is least cared about it no he's not no he's not because he's given you something and we need to be uh we we need to be very serious with what he's given us otherwise he's going to take away what's yours and give it to somebody else, which I believe that's not the case today. I believe that people that I'm talking to are, are the ones who are very serious with their calling and with their gift. Be focused in what God's called you to do. Be focused in your gifting. Be focused in what God has entrusted you with. Now, another thing that I want to see here is God's given some people 10 cities and some people five cities. Now, why is that? You see, it's not about the numbers here. You know, I used to often think about people that are churches, the pastors hold 5,000 people. And there are churches with pastors with 300 people in the congregation. And, uh, you know, from an earthly perspective, we will think that, oh, this, this guy up here, he's probably doing the most right, he's doing the right thing. And this guy here is not doing the right thing. You see, that's how our mentality is, but that is so wrong. It's not about that. It's about obedience. It's about God can give somebody 50 people. God can give somebody 50,000 people. It's all about obedience end of the day. If God today tells you, I'm going to give you 10,000 people, what are you going to do with it? You, all you have to do is what that person, is, person with a small number of uh, congregation is doing, obeying God. It's the same thing after all. So God is not looking into this earthly success point of view. He's seeing how faithful you are. He's seeing how obedient you are. 
That's what it counts over here. It doesn't matter as uh, how many number of people that are there in the church. It doesn't matter. What matters to God is are you faithful to uh, to how many people that God has blessed you with? Or if I would just turn into another example, it doesn't matter how many people own how many different homes, how many, whatever God's given you, are you faithful to that? Are you faithful to what God has given you? So it's all about being faithful to God. It's all about obeying God. It's not about anything, uh, the size of the success. It is about the, the, the team of that, that very uh, uh, um, gift that God has given you. Are you being, are you successful, are you committed to that? Boy, praise God, hallelujah. I'm gonna fast forward because I had some, something else to cover before we close for tonight. You see in, in Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. In Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. Let's, let's all turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter four, verse seven. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul clearly gives, tells us that, that each one of us possess, not possess, has been given. We don't possess anything. We've been given. God's given each one of us. What does it say? Grace, the ability. The word, another word for grace is ability. Is given us the ability. Each one of us carry abilities. So it says it's been according to the measure of Christ's gift. In other words, Christ has distributed to the body of Christ his abilities for each one of them. He has deposited <coughs> the abilities on each one of them. <coughs> and the reason is to serve him and to glorify him. Next. How do you steward without seeing any rewards? How do you steward seeing any rewards? What does Bible has to say about continuing to steward without seeing any rewards? You know, and as, as humans, we are very reward mentality. You know, uh, you know, we always see what's in the other side of that race. If I would complete this race, what would I, what am I going to get? Right? None of us go to work without thinking of our paychecks. It, the paychecks sometimes are the, one of the strongest motivations for us to get up. It helps us getting out of the bed, you know, get dressed, go to work. Right? Sometimes there's some, some kind of motivation end of the day, right? We always, uh, we always have some form of motivation for us to, um, to do something. So there are times where we, we do, where God's called us to steward and sometimes we don't see anything happen. We don't see, you know, big significant things happening or some something very sensational things happening. And uh, we're living in a time where everything is, you know, is about instant gratification. You know, I want this right now. I want this to be done today. And if that's not there today and things are not going to go well with it, if it's not done in this way. It's all instant gratification world we're living in. But when none of, not very few of them, I would say none or few, understand the process that we are supposed to get into. 
There is a process for everything. And while we keep stewarding God's resources, we need to have our hearts being checked first. Why are we stewarding this? Are we doing it for ourselves again or are we doing it for the glory of God? Because if you're doing it for ourselves, we'll, we're going to burn out. But if you're doing it for the glory of God, we will continue to do it from a place of joy. Amen. And we would not, uh, you know, we would not get into any sorts of uh, uh, disappointments that are disappointing for ourselves. Even if when there is, even if there's a disappointment in the midst of all of that, we still have the joy within our hearts that we are doing it for the glory of God, for his namesake. So we have to have our hearts checked. You know, Joseph arguably is one of the best examples of biblical stewardship. You know, Joseph, after he was brought to Egypt, the Lord made him successful man. And while Joseph was in the house of uh, his Egyptian uh, master, and we see that how Joseph found, Bible says Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. It says put him in charge of all that he had. You see, if, if, David, if Joseph was a, was a janitor, you know, I believe that whichever toilets that he cleaned was the most cleanest of all, well, the most cleanest toilets ever. And that really attracted his master's attention on him. It's like he found favor with his master, his earthly master, because he did his job well. Even though he was, uh, was sold by his own brothers and there's so many injustice, so much of injustice that he, he endured in that season, he still chose to serve. He still chose to serve and he was, you know, something was given to him to take care of and he did it very well. And the Bible says the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him. And that is something that attracted God's heart towards him. God's heart, anything that, imagine in the prison, which is not even, there's nothing is yours there. Probably you would not even be paid back for nothing. For all what hard work you put in, all what you've done for others, they wouldn't even look at you there. They won't even count you there. You won't even, you would probably go unrecognized for days and days and weeks and years. But you still have to do it because you're in the prison and you don't have your own rights, you don't have your own will. And you still have to do what, you, what you're supposed to do there. But the Bible says Joseph was best at it. He was good at it. And as a result, we see how that his responsibilities increased. They fell out. This guy is good. He's, he's good at what he's doing. And, and then you see how in the prison, he experienced promotion. In the prison, he experienced promotion. Now, think, now keep this in mind. Joseph is not out of the prison. He's in the prison experiencing a promotion. When I think about this, it just blows my mind. And let me tell you something. Your, your, your time maybe to, to, uh, you know, to do something significant has not yet come. But can you still be faithful? Can you still, be, can you still say, yes, this is what I'm going to do, be doing the rest of my life. Serve, be faithful to what has been entrusted to me. 
And someday you will see the Lord's hand promoting you to the next level. Promoting you to the next level. And finally, I want to end this with this verse. And then we're all going to pray together from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse uh, 23 onwards. It says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Hey, what does it say? It says, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Now in those days, slaves had no inheritance. All their focus was to take care of the master's responsibilities. They were just taking care of the master's work. Probably looking after their household, their children, uh, you know, cooking for them or could be, you know, doing anything from everything, everything for them. But we see how that here Paul encourages the same mentality with the servants of God. And he says, whatever you do, do it to the law for the Lord. Don't do it for the men's sake. Keep the Lord in your mind. That is, if you're at work and if you've been complaining about your work recently, let me tell you something. There are millions of people who are jobless at this point in time. They don't have a job to do. You have a job to do and you have a paycheck coming every week or probably every twice a week or every month. But thank God for it, right? Thank God for what you already have. But in time, God might change you uh, to another workplace, bring you to another place of work, whatever he will do for you. But, but at this point, can you be thankful and can you say, God, I thank you for entrusting me this place into my hands. And when you are good at what you are good at, Believe me, it will automatically attract promotion. And here's what Paul is saying. Don't do it for men. Don't try to please men. Do it unto the Lord. Everything you do, do it unto the Lord. It's another type of worship. But when you do it, do it unto the Lord. And now from the Lord, you are going to receive reward of your inheritance. Because it's God who blesses you. If man turns his eyes away from you, it, it's fine. But the Lord will never turn away from you. He will never turn away from you. If, uh, if there's anyone that, that, that you feel like, oh, I'm not being recognized for my work, everything I do, it just, it, nobody even cares about it. Guess what? The Lord does care about it. You know, I can tell you from my personal experience that the people that I've encouraged uh, last week, I was sitting and talking to some pastors and they were so discouraged during the COVID and they felt they're doing so much, but nobody's, nobody's looking at and taking care of. I mean, even thinking about what they have done and uh, all these years. And I said, why are you looking for men for reward? I said, your reward will come from God. Never even once think that all what you've done for the Lord is gone in vain. Everything that you've done for the Lord, there's an accountant in heaven who's kept every uh, record of every work that you've done for his namesake. And when the time comes to honor you, you will be honored. You will be honored. Until then, you have to continue to be good steward of his resources. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray uh, this evening and open our hearts to God tonight. I hope that Lord minister to your spirit tonight. And then all of us here, you know, God has something in store for us. He wants us to serve him. 
you know, and there's so much that some of you have been thinking, God, what am I doing with my gift? What am I doing with my calling? What am I doing with this thing? I tell you, you know, I believe you can talk to Pastor Isu uh, on that and say, you know what, I have this gift. I have, I feel the Lord's calling me to this, you know, and serve the church, serve the body of Christ and step up and say, you know what, I want to be a part of this uh, ministry. I want to grow God's kingdom through this. You have to invest your gift in some place. You have to invest your gift in some place. And there's no better place than a church. No better place in the church where you're already connected to the body of Christ. So give your all to God and you watch what God does. Amen. Let's open our hearts tonight and just begin to crawl, call on to God. Father, we just want to thank you tonight that Lord, that you're calling us as your two words. Lord, who are we that Lord, that you have chosen us, oh God, as your stewards of your grace, stewards of your mystery, stewards of your your um of some of the things that you are doing in our that you're doing on the earth, oh God, in this time, stewards of revival. Father, we just thank you. We are so amazed that, that you have chosen us as your servants. Lord, I pray that amazement may never leave us, oh God, so that, Lord, that our hearts may not swell into pride or anything like that, but, Lord, that our hearts be rooted in humility, knowing that, Father, that everything that comes, that we have, has come from you, and that we have to be faithful to it until the time comes that we have to give an account of everything that you have given us, oh God. Lord, help us to be more aware of those things that you given us because we don't want to face you one day and say that oh god that you know uh give some excuses and here and there but you have blessed us so richly god but lord we want to think about others we want to think about people that don't have anything at this point in time and lord how we can share our resources to the world and resources to the people that uh, uh that i don't have that don't have it oh god and so father god help us not to live this selfish lifestyle oh god help us to live in response to the reality as stewards of your grace, oh God, Father. You've called us to be a stewards on this planet. Everything, a resource, a, a, a channel of resource to where you are going to be supplying to the whole world. And we are as a channels through which you're going to supply your, your grace to the whole world, oh God, provision to the whole world, oh Lord. And so, Father, help us not to uh, be self-centered in everything we do, Father God, and uh, help us to get rid of self-centeredness tonight. And Father, help us to live according to your plan and mercies, Father God. We bless you and we give you all the glory and honor tonight. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen and amen. I just want to ask if there's anybody here tonight, uh, you're, you're asking for a miracle from God. You can...